about the people and stories of Ann Arbor, Michigan. This week, I was lucky enough to have Ed Fang on the podcast. Ed is the creator of thepowerrank.com, a sports analytics website and business uh, based out of Ann Arbor. Um, Ed and I happen to live in the same neighborhood, and that's how we got to know each other, but I found his story super interesting. Also, with us being kindred spirits, former chemical engineers, we hit it off right away. Uh, so I hope we really enjoy the story. Um, and as always, want to thank our sponsors, Underground Printing and Old Hat Creative. But uh, let's get started. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, listening in to I Am Ann Arbor. Uh, talking with the people in our community that, that make our community great. And I am lucky enough to have uh, my friend and neighbor, uh, Ed Fang on. Ed, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Rishi. Really excited to talk. Ed and I um, met some years ago now. The pandemic really makes it feel like it's been, you know, 20 years since we met, but it hasn't been actually that long, you know, maybe three or four years ago, I would say. Yep. Um, just through a mutual friend, we'll shout him out now, uh, Omkar Karthikeyan, Dr. Karthikeyan, uh, made the intro and we hung out watching some some game, probably. Yeah, Lions-Packers. Oh, the Lions Packers. Packers. Oh, wow. So then that was depressing. I can automatically say that that was depressing. And, um, you know, that's when we first met and we got to talking and, and Ed, your, your whole background and, and what you're doing now was like, you know, hit, hit straight to my core, you know, something I truly, you know, relate to. You are a, a personality, a, a sports personality and a uh, business owner. But before that, tell us a little bit about your background where you're from, how you got started, and then what brought you to Ann Arbor? Yeah, so I was working on my PhD at Stanford, and I was in chemical engineering, as some other people on the show were in that field as I well. Never, I never pretended to get my, I stopped at master's, never pretended like I thought I could get my PhD, though. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so my, you know, I was getting my uh, PhD, and I was actually working on the theoretical side of things. So I did, uh, I was, I was using applied math to understand how polymers moved, and that will actually be important a little bit later. I also yeah. met my wife when I was out at Stanford as well. And, and are she, you from the Bay Area originally? Where are you from originally? I'm not. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I went to college in Texas and then I went out to Stanford for grad school. So you've been, you've been all over really. I've been all over. Yeah. Yeah. And now in the Midwest. So, yeah. uh, but I'm not planning on leaving here ever. So do we, do we, do we consider Pennsylvania the Midwest? I, it depends on which not, side you're in. Not the side that I grew up on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was in a suburb of Philadelphia, which is okay. definitely East. That's like East Coast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So once you get over the Appalachian Mountains, then they start saying pop and you can right. argue that it's Midwest. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I got my PhD at Stanford and, and always thought uh, I was going to be a professor. And I was on that track for a long time. Uh, I went to Berkeley as a Miller Fellow, which was this, you know, somewhat prestigious postdoc where the expectation is that you're going to go on and and get uh, a prestigious professorship after that. 
Right. And that's where things really started going all wrong. Uh, that's, yeah. that's not what happened at all. I did not get along with basically anyone at Berkeley. Um, some of it was, you know, the typical pressures and publish and publish, but perish type mentality of academia. But a lot yeah. of it was my stubbornness um, that I didn't want to kind of be in that world. And I think the other thing was that like, I was really kind of interested in math and theory and, and developing theories. But in order to do that, you really had to be engaged with experimentalists. Yeah. And that wasn't something that I was quite ready to do. And, and I didn't really want to do that's not the kind of thing that lit my fire. Um, so anyways, you know, my academic career kind of crashed and burned at that point. So did but, you ever even go down the tenure track looking for jobs path or you just stopped cold? Yeah. So I kind of stopped cold when I was looking for that fellowship at Berkeley. Like I actually applied for jobs then had a kind of verbal agreement with Colorado School of Mines to, to mm -hmm. go out there after my fellowship. And things went so badly at Berkeley that that job was actually not on the table after another three years, <laughs> which was kind of a very sad, rude awakening for me. Yeah, uh, School of Mines isn't known for their sports. So I think you, you probably <laughs> lucked out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I lucked out in terms of the transition I made. Yeah. Because so I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And uh, I actually started looking into Google's technology and was really interested in the fact that PageRank, the algorithm that got Google started, is related to a lot of the research I did when I was doing my PhD at Stanford. And the math behind it is the stationary distribution of, of Markov chain. And I got really excited because this is exactly what I had to understand that to, to do my PhD work and, and oh, some interesting. later work. So, so it was I started a, digging. Was a, it was the same principles they were using for PageRank. You were using the same things in your research. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was the same thing. Uh, Larry Page, obviously, with a lot of Ann Arbor connections as well. Yep. And so I started digging in and thinking, well, how? what else can we do with this PageRank algorithm? And I've always been a huge sports fan. So I basically started messing with it until it did what I wanted it to do to rank sports teams. And with the original PageRank, uh, it's, it's really designed to work with websites and the link structure of the web. And to make it predictive for sports, you have to do a little bit of work so that it takes something like margin of victory and uh, makes adjustments for strength of schedule. Mm. So I developed this algorithm and uh, strength of schedule adjustments are really important in college football, college basketball, right? Have such different uh, strengths and conferences. Uh, I'm going to use college basketball as an example this year. You know, the Big Ten was such an excellent conference in, in basketball this year. Or, so we, or so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll get to that. But, you know, we we're at a point in early March where we were, were singing the praises of all the Big Ten teams. And that's because they had all performed really well out yeah. of conference. Um, they came back in the conference. And my, my algorithms essentially adjust for that, right? It's going to mm -hmm. push all those strong teams in the Big Ten up to the top because they play a more difficult schedule. It's going to push down teams from the MAC, which are not playing as difficult a schedule. Right. Now, we all know what happened in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Big Ten teams didn't really have a great tournament. And I think part of that is that it's hard to make sports predictions. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of randomness, and all of a sudden, Pac-12 teams are uh, on fire from three or on fire holding teams uh, in their in their opponent's three-point shooting percentage like Oregon State did. Yep. So the Pac-12 had a great run. Big Ten clearly didn't have uh, a great run. But but those, that, 
that's what I do with sports, right? I, I take statistics like margin of victory, I adjust for who you played, and that allows me to make predictions for the NCAA tournament and for college football and other sports as well. And so when you're doing this, this is after you stop cold. Are you are you dabbling this on the side while you're, you know, doing the PhD, doing the fellowship, or are you literally, all right, I got to find something else to do and I'm interested in this? What's the timeline there? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. I think, so after my time at Berkeley, I went out to the national lab, uh, the Sandia National Lab that was out in Livermore, California, and I yeah. was working there. But while I was working there, I started getting these ideas about how to rank sports teams and... In some sense, it was very serendipitous. Uh, I just kind of scraped some NFL data, applied my algorithm, and sent an email to friends. Yeah, and it was kind of like my minimum viable product. I know, I know, you're an entrepreneur, Rishi. So that was kind of my that was, that was my MVP. minimum viable product. I sent yeah. these rankings and some predictions, and people were like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." And this was the and with NFL. So obviously, you're you're gearing that towards fantasy football, right? You're like, "Hey, friends, this is how you can like some insights for you for fantasy football." Yeah, I mean, I actually wasn't doing much of fantasy football at all because it was more like team predictions, like spreads. Yeah. Back a long time ago when it was taboo to <laughs> right, talk right, about right. sports betting. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I never really got into the the fantasy football player stuff. There's a lot Okay, of so this was more teams, less players. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was giving point spreads and people were like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then it just kind of grew from there. I, I did some college football which was really cool because you could just see how much of an impact those strength of schedule adjustments made and then got into college basketball the next spring. And that was also interesting too, because I had a guy, I had a friend out in California and I told him, I was like, look, I'm not doing college basketball. Ken Pomeroy is a thing there. Yeah. You know, there's no point. Like he's already taken up that entire space. I mean, I mean, he has his own term, right? Ken Palm is like unknown, unknown terminology. I mean, yeah. Where does that exist? In the, I mean, there's very few places that exist in the sports sports analytics yeah. world. Yeah, absolutely. And and Ken is fantastic. But this friend very sternly was like, no, you must do this for the NCAA tournament. It is such a big deal. It doesn't matter. You you have to do it. And I said, okay, well, I lo- I've always loved March Madness. Yeah. So uh, I ended up doing it. And March Madness is a pretty big – I mean, football is the bigger part of my business with college football and the NFL. But March Madness is uh, – a very it's very important not necessarily in terms of the revenue that i make from it but in terms of the exposure that it gives me right and the exposure that it gives analytics and yes. some of the strategy things i talk about in terms of how to win your pool right and 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 um about around what time so well, well let, let, let me backtrack so at what point what you you termed your algorithm the power rank mm-hmm. and at what point was it a business and uh now you're now you're all in or seemingly headed down that, that path. Yeah. So 2008 was when I first started thinking about it. 2009, uh, I think, is when I sent when I started doing you know NFL, college football, and then it was really a side project for the next couple of years uh, until about 2011, 2012. So yeah. um, that is when my wife finished up her fellowship, was in, you know got uh, ended up getting the job at U of M. She's a doctor. She's a high risk obstetrics doctor. And then right around that time, a little bit before we moved here is when I started working on it full time. And uh, those first like very little trickles of income that that came in from the business. Yeah. And 
since my time in Ann Arbor, it's kind of slowly grown since then. And uh, it, it's still continuing now and clearly benefited from the legalization of sports betting. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll 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 dive into that a little bit more. Uh, I'm sure that's been that's been huge. But obviously, you just came out of the pandemic, where yep. uh, all of a sudden, you know, for for many of us, you know, now we you know, we just you know we just got done with Masters and March Madness. But um, last year, there was you know literally nothing to do. <laughs> there was no yep. sports to watch. So you know, what were you doing at that time to gear up or get ready for for the following year or whatever? Well, last year, like like right about a year ago from, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, it was, it was kind of weird because I didn't know if there was going to be football in the fall. Yeah. And early that March, I actually traveled to Boston to the Sloan sports analytics conference that yeah. I go to every year. Yeah. And it turned out to be the worst week to travel because <laughs> me and all my friends ended up getting COVID. Oh no. So I come back, I'm usually trying to prep for the NCAA tournament and feeling kind of sick yeah. And um, when the tournament was uh, canceled, it obviously like I never want the tournament to be canceled. But part of me was like, I don't really feel great. And I had yeah. like four huge days of work. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bittersweet in that sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I uh, there was a month or two period there where I didn't really work on the sports analytics much. It was more taking care of the kids, making yeah. sure their schooling was fine as, yeah. as things shut down there. Yeah. And then did a lot Real of life. And uh, but then that slowly picked up again and, and led into football season. And I kind of always thought that the NFL was going to happen. So that's, you know, college football was kind of a big mess in August um, yeah. when the conferences started canceling things. But but I worked towards my NFL things and, you know, things went pretty well. Uh, honestly, the business has done pretty well through the pandemic. Uh, I think great. a lot of people who are members of my site have, have stuck with it. Yeah. Um, despite the, you know, missing a big part of a one year with no NCAA tournament last year. So I feel fortunate to be in a really lucky spot with the business. And, and how, and like, how have you, uh, you know, obviously you started out like with straight math, right? I mean, like that's essentially what you're saying. You're saying like, I'm going to provide a better mathematical product. Yep. Um, but at the end, what you just said, I think is what we know for like in any business and any entrepreneurial endeavor, it's about the community that you build, right? So like you right. went from something very black and white numbers to uh, gray community, right? So like talk a little bit about like building a community around analytics and like what is that how do you do that like who are these passionate people are they all betters or are, do they come in all forms i think there's a the variety of people i would say the majority of them are betting on games and they use my model as kind of a, an objective baseline as a piece of their analysis so maybe you like a team uh you know maybe you want to bet gonzaga in in the championship game against baylor and you come to my site and you'd say well the prediction says you know gonzaga by four i think is what it was i think the markets were at four and a half so kind of suggests not a lot of value either way um so there's certainly a, a big set of people that do that i also think there's a lot of people that kind of want to support my work uh, a big part of my work is using sports as a motivation to get people interested in math and data and honestly, one of the best things that happened was uh, I gave out a bunch of copies of my book, How to Win Your NCAA Tournament Pool. You gave me one. I have one of those copies. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I just, I, I gave a bunch out this year 
<laughs> it was an interesting set of people because you know I've known you before, Rishi. So yeah. so you already had a copy. Yep. But this ended up being I would call the the group of friends that I've made through my dog. So we have a pandemic puppy <laughs> and that requires walking the dog in the neighborhood. And, and it was just a bunch of people that I met through there. So, you know, early March, I just went around to their mailboxes and dropped off a copy of the book. And one of the guys didn't read it, but he gave it to his two uh, high school age kids. And they went straight by the book and ended up getting like first and second in their pool. Really? Oh, that's yeah, so that, crazy. And that's I funny. think like, it's one thing for me to help uh, some of our friends, you know, 40 year old, well off, win a pool. That's that's not too exciting. But to get someone young to say like, oh, wait, I mean, there, there is a point. There is a point in kind of studying these analytics and, and some of these contrarian strategies that you use. Uh, that's pretty exciting to me. Yeah, that it, I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, we've, we've seen the money ball and we've seen the like sports statistics positions on teams and things like that come through. And uh, but like it's still got a long ways to go i'm sure and and just utilizing right. you know math science stem in general right you know and like this is cool i mean uh i i actually recently read a very long article about excel you know microsoft excel and okay. like how i mean that i mean it was just an impressive article about like how powerful of a tool like how it's lasted 20 years i mean basically how excel spun off what we know know as like the SaaS service industry mm -hmm. because it's all about like this is like, we joke around about like, oh, the Uber for this, but everything like all SaaS based uh, platforms are all the Excel of their, right. you know, they're trying to mimic something that Excel does. Invoicing, uh, records management, health records management, customer database, what, you know, even, e even uh, you know, emails, like we use Excel for everything. And then to some degree, like Google Sheets or whatever, right? So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of power in the math. So, um so to circle back, you know, you sent you sent that first email to friends about NFL football. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I said, oh, fantasy football. And you're like, well, no, it's more like teams and spreads. So how like how has your like anxiety level uh, or, or has it not like reduced now that sports betting has become mainstream and and legal, you know, in many states, including ours? Is it is it yeah. validated you or is it just like, eh, I never really cared. And now it's fine. You know, like no big deal for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly been great. Um, I would also say, like, my business was in pretty good footing before the laws changed. So so things were going pretty well. But now, you know, it's changed from something that you couldn't talk about, right? Yeah. yeah. And three years ago. And now, like, Bruce Motti tweeted me the other day about a guy in the sports betting industry that I should meet. <laughs> like yeah. that could that could never happen yeah no, definitely yeah no he couldn't admit that yeah absolutely. yeah he couldn't even admit that he knew anyone in the sports betting industry and so you have that change and then you have this like little device the smartphone that you have a FanDuel and DraftKings app on yeah that you can literally just you don't even need to run to your computer right yeah exactly watching a game put it put it in, in a, a live bet down so you know no anxiety I think it's just it's 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 a nice wave to kind of catch in the business that I do. And it's also interesting because four year, five years ago, everyone would ask me, why don't you do fantasy football? Why don't you do daily fantasy? Yeah. And the answer was like, I, I kind of don't care. Like I'm, I've <laughs> yeah, never yeah, been yeah. much of a, a fantasy player. It's not some, it's not something that really drove my passion at all. Yeah. And now weirdly, nobody asked me about why I don't do daily fantasy. <laughs> so people ask me about, Hey, what game should we bet? And you know, we talk about that and that's great. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's very fortunate uh, for this to be happening now. And you know, I hope to make the most of it. Yeah, no, that's great. And do you, do you, ex- you know, so you said, all right, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care about fantasy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to expand that way, but what, what is it? What is growth for you? Is it more sport? Is it NBA? Is it, you know, premier league? What, you know, where does, what does that start to look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I can continue doing what I'm doing and I, and I will, but in some sense, it's there are some days that my business feels like I'm feeding boiled broccoli to overweight middle-aged people because <laughs> it's not easy to use. Yeah. Like you kind of have to really know what you're doing. Like you can't just be like a newcomer uh, into the field. Like you can't just all of a sudden be like, Hey, I'm going to bet some NFL, go look at my site. And you, all you, you get a list of numbers, which is definitely a part of your analysis, but there's a lot more to winning at betting than what I provide. And I think I've slowly pivoted more and more into betting applications and and I will continue to do so. And just one example is I do more writing for paid members of my site now. So I just try to make it easy to say, okay, well, this is what my number said. These are the other factors. Um, I think my number is actually wrong in this direction. So for example, I thought Tampa Bay's offense could potentially be a lot better than it was this football season because uh, they weren't great at the beginning, but, the, the people that scouted Brady thought he was throwing very accurately. And, and you could tell that from watching games and they had some injuries in the receiver position. So when I saw that their offense was like borderline top 10, you could kind of say, well, I expect it to be higher. And that would be part of the reason why you may, may bet Tampa Bay and in, in the right, playoffs. Right. And so I think, you know, it's easier to have some written content that's related to sports betting. It's just easier digestible for someone that, doesn't do this a lot. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the pivot that uh, I'm making. Well, and interestingly, uh, you were delivering your news via email subscription from, you know, I, w- I won't say before it was hot, bef- but before it really hit its resurgence again, right? Now everybody's gone right. back to delivering their news in subscription form over email. Um, uh, and so that's an, that's another kind of wave that you, you were pioneering, so to speak, like you were doing that. And now that's come to like, that's a, that's a pretty normal way to get your info. Yeah. I mean, I, I read morning brew every morning. Yeah, exactly. And from, brew, from those Michigan actually, guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the most fantastic things. Um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, if you, if you could get one subscriber via email versus podcast versus YouTube versus site visitor. Yeah. Like which one would you want? And the answer has always been, you want the email subscriber. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's worth like 10, 10 times, if not more, any of those other visitors. And I was pretty lucky to catch on to that early in my journey. Uh, yeah. I think I started my email list like 2012. And it's been a huge driver of, of my business. And I think it's, yeah, it's going to continue right on into the future. That's great. That's great. All right. Before I let you go, uh, and I, I need to cut myself off because we could, we could nerd out about this for a while. And, uh, we haven't even broken, we haven't even started talking about, uh, being academics going down the path, less traveled, but, uh, uh, maybe we'll save that for another, for another time. Um, so tell me, uh, as I, as I prepped you, you know, I ask all my guests about what's their hidden gem, hidden you know favorite location in ann arbor that that's on the path less traveled so uh tell us uh tell i I think you told me you you might have two so tell me what your favorite places are yeah so my most hidden place is is actually the school that my boys go to so they go to summer's knoll which is an independent school over on platte road and i think it's 
I think it's a little bit out of the way. Um, and I think part of it is that uh, the education is, is a progressive education with product and, and place-based learning. But I think what I'm more excited about and why I feel like it's such a gem is the community. And that has two applications. So first for my kids, they really love the community. They, they like being uh, a big part of the learning process. Um, they always like enjoy going to school. They always enjoy learning. And you know, there's it, it, it means a lot that I never have to get my kids out of bed in the morning to go yeah. to school. They, yeah. they actually enjoy it. So they're getting a lot out of that. And then from my perspective as a parent, like the community has been really awesome as well. Pre-pandemic, when I dropped off the kids, I would often go into building, not because I had to, but because I just wanted to talk to other people, whether that's like staff, faculty, or just other parents. So, and that's something I've really missed over the pandemic. Um, I got to go in there once this year. I like that answer. To give a virtual tour to someone. And I was like, oh, I really, I really miss, I really miss this a lot. So kind of like my hidden gem is just that community aspect of uh, the school and really hope to, to get back to that sometime soon. Right on. That's great. And then um, the other hidden gem that I want to talk about is food related. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone is, I think a lot of people know that York is a place on Packard where you can go buy wine and you can go, now you can go get a drink and sit outside. Um, but I actually really love the food there. So they have like a little deli and they have a caprice sandwich, which is like a baguette, uh, pesto, fresh made mozzarella that they make. And I put some prosciutto on there as well. And I eat this at least once a week. Like we often go there, uh, you know, after church on Sundays and, and that's always what I order just because I like it a lot. Um, just, just absolutely delicious. I think they do an excellent job over there. Um, and they, they are also having an ever, uh, increasing selection of really good, uh, IPAs over there, which is, uh, another thing I'm a fan of. That's, I that's could also weird. talk about homes too, but that <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, and, and, you know, you got Ricewood, you got bow boys and yep. then you got this, uh, especially in the pandemic, you got this awesome courtyard, right. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, that was a, that was really a nice spot to, to hang out and have like, have a place to meet up with someone for uh, a short period of time or whatever. So uh, that's yeah. a good call out. That's a good call out. Yeah. I think, uh, York's doing really a great job. Yeah, no, they are. And it's just like, I mean, I think you could go there Rishi and find some other sandwich that you like. I know a yeah. lot of people like the, I like the roast beef. I like the roast beef, the roast yeah. beef, but like yeah. for me, like, it's just, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I can't, and it's not, it's not something I would normally get. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I definitely like my meat and I like, you know, actually you're mentioning ricewood. I actually really love the pulled pork sandwich they have with the spicy aioli and stuff they have. Like that's usually more my thing, but for some reason the caprice has a little place in my heart. Um, so I'd highly recommend, I get it grilled. Okay, I would okay. highly recommend. All right. Good, good, yep. good shout out. Good tip. Pro tip, pro tip from Ed. All right. Well, Ed, thank you so much. It was awesome to, uh, to rehear the tad bit of your story, but I honestly, I, I learned a ton from, from, uh, from our deep dive here and, uh, really appreciate it. Next time we'll bring you on to talk a little bit about how we, uh, both kicked our, uh, you know, our academic careers to the, to the sidelines to do, uh, t-shirts and sports analytics. So, uh, that'll be podcast two for, for us. So, but thanks so much for taking time and, uh, and for, for those of you listening, uh, power, the power right. Yeah, that's so my we'll, site for we'll, uh, better uh, predictions through analytics. We'll we'll link that in the uh, in the podcast notes too. So, thanks so much, Ed. We appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me, Rishi. 